stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick. And this week, I'm joined by Zach's stock strategist and the editor of Zach's Surprise Trader Portfolio, David Bartosiak, to talk about how to trade the earnings surprises. So no one knows better than Dave because the Surprise Trader Portfolio buys the stocks just ahead of the earnings report in order to capture the gains on that earnings beat. Hopefully, it's a beat. And here in 2020, this has been a real challenge. <laughs> An earnings beat might not be enough. Heck, a beat and a raise might not be enough to get that stock a nice boost after the report. And some stocks may still sink on a beat and a raise. So what are the secrets to trading the earnings reports? Are there any? Is it luck, Dave? What is it? How do you do it? You have some winners in your portfolio right now, even though we're winding down earnings season. But earnings season never really stops, does it? Kind of keeps going. It never. Yeah. Well, you you get um, obviously a big rush in those first the first month, really first month to six weeks of earnings season is really when ninety percent of the action happens. Yeah. And then you you get um, a few names that trickle in pretty consistently week over week. And I actually like later on in earnings season because there are fewer stocks reporting. Therefore, there's more eyes on each report. And you can get outsized moves in these stocks because of that. You know, it's like the the market's not so distracted with a hundred names that are reporting. If you have five of them and then one of your five has a uh, one of those five has a big beat. You know, a lot of money can rush into it. So I, I actually prefer later on in earnings season than sort of that hectic nature of uh, of earlier in earnings season. Okay, that's a good a good point. And something maybe we could start off with on this podcast for people who are new to trading the earnings reports or aren't new to it, but are still kind of confused with what they should be doing with it. Um, is the best place to start with large cap well-known companies so i that's that's a good way to begin to learn about how um earnings reports you know have an impact on a stock's price um by by going with some of the larger cap names and then traditionally well and and again i'm going to put traditionally in in quotes i think here um you know the larger cap stock shouldn't have as gigantic of a reaction to earnings reports as you know a smaller cap stock should be right just because the sheer amount of money it would take to move it um but tell that to you know tesla and amazon over the last several years where it's it's just it's like they don't care you know it doesn't matter the stock if it's got a trillion dollar market cap or not you know they're still going to whip it around 20 percent, which is insane to me but that's just kind of the market that we're in right now right yeah yeah um, so I, I think, you know, as you're, you're first starting to venture into, into this world, um, it, it's, it's funny cause earlier on in earnings season is when that first round, you really get the banks. And I think of all of the industries and sectors that report, uh, throughout the course of earnings season that 
the banks are, are the ones that sort of move the least in general. Yeah. Um, you know, because there there's other factors at play. And, and, I, and if you're a bank investor, I think in general, you're a little bit more on the conservative side. You have more of a long-term focus and you're not so worried about these short-term changes to either EPS or revenue or, or anything like that. So um, those can, those have, you know, I, I always add them in, in the portfolio early on um, just to get some exposure, but I, I tend to shy away from, you know, the JP Morgans and the, and the city banks of the world and try to find regional banks uh, in a, in a part of the country that I think is, is booming. Right. So for example, um, you know, in this post COVID world that we live in, or I guess we're still in the COVID world. I don't want to upset anybody, but um, there's that huge migration that sort of took place out of the cities, into the burbs, out of, you know, New York um, and going south or out of California and going to Texas, you know, these, these kind of moves that have, that have taken place. So when I was looking at these regional banks, I was looking for banks within these areas that could potentially have you know, a huge influx of customers that they, you know, didn't have before. So I, I kind of look for these macro themes, even when I'm down on these individual stocks. Um, the other big thing, I guess, since we're, we're talking about earnings, I mean, we should really talk about just the basics of just like, you know, when is it, right? So yeah. um, it's uh, basically the, the, the second or third week of January, April, July, in October, so you know, every three months, um, ticking around the calendar, uh, that's when that's when earnings season pops off. So you, you get four of them a year, um, which makes for a very furious month to six weeks um, every three months, right? So it's it's like a hundred percent all the way going, and then it slows down, and then it goes hundred percent again, and then it slows down. So. Um, there's lots of excitement, especially I would say the first four weeks is really where the vast majority of the action happens. And you tend to get a lot of chop within those first, within that first month of earnings season. Okay. And the reason is, you know, investors are, are reading the early reports and then speculating about how the rest of the reports are going to go. And the market has a tendency to overshoot things. I mean, we see that every day, right? It'll over <laughs> overshoot a negative reaction, overshoot a positive reaction, and then it has to kind of get back to normal. And the same thing happens in earnings season where you get a bad report from somewhere and then all of a sudden all the money rushes out of that industry. And then the very next day, there's a good report by a competitor and then the money rushes back in. So there's a lot of chop that tends to take place early on in earnings season. But then what I've also noticed is when that once that sort of settles down, you get a drift that takes place after most of those reports have gone in. So whether that drift be positive or negative, uh, you, you get less chop and more of a, of a drift in a singular direction. And that kind of goes to that, um, to the core of kind of what we do at Surprise Trader is we're trying to capture that post earnings drift. So okay. the stock has a decent report and the market starts to react to it. And then you'll see it sort of slowly start to tick tick up, right? They keep moving along with with that good report and hopefully a good guidance for the next quarter. Uh, so that's why our strategy in Surprise Trader is we want to get a lot of at-bats. 
because and I'll get into kind of what our uh, system is that it gives us a, uh, what we feel is a decent edge as to who's going to beat and who's not going to beat. Okay. But we want to get a, a lot of at-bats. And then when we see stocks that aren't getting the reaction that we want, um, we get rid of them. And then when we see stocks that are moving in a positive direction, starting to get that post-earnings drift, we stick with them. So it's the same thing I do in blockchain innovators. It's all about cutting your losers short and letting your winners run. Now, the, the good part about Surprise Trader is that you get so many opportunities at winners um, because, you know, during the season, we'll have a trade almost every single day. Um, and so you get a lot of a lot of at-bats and a lot of opportunities to find that big winner. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't always work because sometimes, you know, you're jumping head first into the wood chipper, let's say, if you have, you know, a rough season where just the broad market is getting beat up every day. So then there's other ways that I can adapt. You know, if, if I know, you know, recently I've seen that, you know, we've had a little bit of negativity here in the market. So you can, rather than buying a stock a week before its report, you can cut that time down to anywhere between a day and three days before the report. So now you can sort of lower your overall market risk okay. with that report coming up. So that's one way that we've sort of mitigated the the short-term risk, uh, short-term market risk in Surprise Trader recently. I, I, it's kind of like when you're playing baseball and you choke up on the bat so you can get a quicker little swing at it. That's that's yeah. kind of the same, the same idea we have with Surprise Trader. And then when we're in trending markets to the upside, positive markets where things look good, then I have no problem. I mean, I'll, I'll put a name in there that, um, you know, maybe last year reported on, you know, that such and such a date. And there's no guarantee it's going to report that same date this year, but I don't care. I'll just buy it. And if it reports in a week, two weeks, three weeks, no problem. Um, so there's that's one of the ways we can adapt, you know, for when the market gets rough. Yeah. Um, OK, so. You know, I've been watching the earnings reports just on this week of uh, February 28th in anticipation for this podcast. And, you know, I've been seeing some well-known companies beating again, but the shares are down. Obviously, market conditions play a lot into that. But what what is your thought process then with buying some of these? Because even just, you know, buying shortly before isn't going to save you. So for instance, Trex, which is T-R-E-X is the ticker. They make decking. It, they've been a pandemic winner as we all, you know, want to nest at home. We're all building new decks outside to hang out outside. And they beat and they had a great 2021, a record year, and they raised guidance for 2022. Another record year is coming, but the shares are down 10%. So what yeah. do you do on a on, or can you do anything? It, or is that just, oh, that's market conditions? Sorry. So there's there's a couple of a couple of things you can do. So you know, there's that risk of the unknown that you have heading into the, these reports. And there's several unknowns. So the first unknown is obviously, are they gonna beat or not? Yeah. Or, or, or how is the performance for the previous quarter? Okay, so wait a minute. So do you look at their earnings surprise track record then? That is a big part of it. Okay. Um, but the other part is our earnings ESP. So okay. if, if you look at Zax.com, any of these stocks that you pull up on their quote page, it'll have the earnings ESP. 
and that's a proprietary formula that we use to determine um, the the uh, likelihood of next quarter being a beat. Okay. So it's not linear. So what I mean is if a stock has a 100% uh, positive earnings ESP versus a stock of a 10% earnings ESP, does that mean it's 10 times more likely to beat? No, absolutely not. Um, because they're expressed as percentages, it's, I don't want to get too complicated here. But the point is that it's not, you know, just because you have a big, big earnings, positive earnings ESP number doesn't mean that's guaranteed to beat, right? But that's just one of the criteria that we use along with its earnings history and a couple of other things to determine, you know, its likelihood of beating, you know, moving forward. So Surprise Trader correct has in the past correctly uh, predicted somewhere around 80% of uh of of the additions end up beating their earnings estimates. Oh, okay. So that's the easy part, I think. Yeah, yeah. The easy part is finding a stock that's going to beat earnings. Okay. Okay. Now the next part is the guidance. Okay. So how's the guidance going to be? Um, and you know, oftentimes in this forward-looking market, the guidance far overshadows what happened last quarter. Yeah. You know, last quarter's in the past. What have you done for me lately? What's going to happen tomorrow? Uh, so that that tends to overshadow. So you can have a, a, a stock that comes out and has a decent report, but, you know, they cut earning their guidance and then everybody gets upset. Then there's a... Wait, hold a minute. Is that what is happening to Zoom video almost every quarter, ticker ZM? So they beat every quarter since they went public in 2019, but the shares keep sinking even on the beats. Is that... Because yeah, they were. Yeah, you can look at last night's report, right? Yeah. You know, beat, and then they guide Q1 86 to 88 cents versus a dollar three estimates. Okay. So right away they come out and they go, oh well, uh, yeah, let's guide this lower. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, and then that's what happens. You have a negative reaction, you know, from the market. Yeah. And then the third part is this: the most unknown, and that is what I call the the lurker okay? okay so there there is a lurking fund that needed to cut their exposure to your stock okay and because earnings days typically have the highest volume of the quarter they use those days to divest themselves uh, okay so you'll get stocks that will come out they will beat earnings they will raise their guidance and they'll drop on heavy volume and you're just scratching your head like that doesn't make any sense inevitably those stocks are the ones that i wish i could go in and buy in surprise trader right the the way that we operate there we're only buying before yeah we don't, we don't buy after they report it's just just kind of what we do and um but you'll get these reports where stock will come out and they'll beat and then they'll sell off. So Boise Cascade was the one that just happened. Okay. Um, you know, What's heading into uh, B, uh, BCC. Okay. So this is like a lumber stock, right? So heading into the report, stock closes at 81.77. Um, they, had, they had a good report. They had good numbers. They beat. Everything was great. Um, even the guidance was nice. And um, all of a sudden, 
we wake up the next day and the stock closes at 64. Wow. Um, and if you've noticed in the days since then, it's recouped almost the entire move. Um, because whatever, for whatever reason, you know, the day heading into earnings traded 680,000 shares, the day of earnings it trades over 2 million. Wow. So there was somebody that was looking to trim their position in it that day and was just, you know, coming in and, and dumping. Now, those are stocks I'd love to buy. And I even said, you know, we had Boise Cascade ahead of the number. And I said, hey, if this was the type of um, portfolio where we added, I would be adding right now to this. Absolutely. Drop my cost bases. It's a good report. And I, I, I have a pretty strong belief that we're going to catch some nice positive earnings drift after this report. So that's something to look out for, too. You know, making money ahead of it is great, obviously, because you can get that big move. But if you can find a stock that got beat up for what I like to call, you know, no reason, right? Other yeah. than there's just some big seller out there. Those can be opportunities after the report. They offer lower risk on your entry, but typically they do offer a lower return, too, right? Because there's not as many unknowns in the stock so so you don't get that um sort of speculative bounce that you might get right so yeah. um but but still um a, a decent way to a decent way to play sort of the after after earnings as well yeah now what about some of these stocks that you know you hear about that you know the they're always saying oh you know that that stock sells off almost every time on its earnings report, even if it's good. So for instance, Home Depot reported not that long ago, ticker HD, and it had a big sell-off on that earnings, which were not that bad as well. And everybody came out saying, oh, Home Depot, they always sell off. And then it, the shares have rebounded. Do you stay away from some of those or try to get it when it sells off? If it was not, you know, not in Surprise Trader, but what do you do with those kinds of stocks where everybody knows that it's going to sell off? Yeah, um, I, you know, I, I, I think um, sometimes the the Twitterverse has a tendency to have a very short term memory. Okay. And, um, you know, when you talk about a stock like Home Depot, it's 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 easy to say that, but uh, there's plenty of times when that hasn't been the case. <laughs> okay. Um, so the, the best way I think to look at that kind of stock is if you look at our price consensus and EPS surprise chart on Zags.com, yeah. uh, you get these little green arrows for when the stock beat. And of course the stock like Home Depot is going to have a lot of beats. Yeah. And um, for sure there are times when it beats and, and, it, and it still gives up some ground, but then there's plenty of times when it beats and it's going straight up. So um, it's, it's just, I think with a stock like Home Depot, it's such a big company that um, the the overall trajectory of the market probably is more powerful than um, you know, and, and the Dow specifically is, is going to be more of a determinant of that stock's price than just its individual performance on that earnings report. Okay. Um, so I, I think it's just a yeah, the macro thing versus you know anything Home Depot specific. Okay. What about a stock like Micron, ticker MU? Yeah. A lot of people like to, to trade that earnings report, but they only have one miss in the last five years. They are pretty consistent at beating, and everyone knows that it's all about the guidance. And you have to wait until Sanjay's on the earnings call to actually get the guidance. So yeah. how, and, um, how, how does that kind of stock factor in? How do you trade that? 
So Micron, um, what people fail to realize is like Micron is actually a commodity stock, but the commodity is chips. So it, if you look at uh, a chart of like the, the cost of, of the memory chips, like the DRAM, right? Yeah. Um, and you put that up with Micron and their guidance, you'll see the choppiness and the back and forth and, the, and, and what takes place, um, which has a huge impact on their earnings, right? So that's that's why you get that in Micron is the unpredictability of their product, the, of the price of their product. And they just can't, you know, you simply can't control it. They can't go out in the futures market and hedge hedge out their bets on microchips, right? <laughs> it doesn't, they don't have that facility. Uh, so it adds a, a huge layer of risk uh, to a stock like Micron. Uh, when you're talking about their their earnings report, it's just that large unknown that they can't control. And again, you know, you pull up their price consensus and EPS surprise chart, and uh, it looks like a like a four year old was coloring on it. I mean, it's just chops all over the place. Um, from the you know they're expecting huge growth to then all of a sudden it stops and reverses, and it looks like it's the end of the world, and uh, it's just all over the place. So you, you have a, a huge lack of consistency. Uh, there, which adds to the volatility following its earnings reports. Yeah. Okay. Now I see currently in the surprise trader, you have a very nice winner in one of the auto retailers, Asbury, ticker ABG. And I'm a big fan of the auto retailers myself, but a lot of these have had huge rallies over the last two years. Obviously, we've all been running out and buying cars during the pandemic. And so I'm wondering how much. Uh, that part of the chart, if at all, plays in into your stock selection. Does it matter if it's trading near, uh, you know, an all-time high or a five-year high or even a 52-week high for when you're looking around at what to buy? As long as these other things like the ESP and the history and all that stuff kind of factor in on the positive. How how much does that play in? Yeah, so it's um the the way I I sort of do it is is I'll use a canary in the coal mine. Okay. Um, and then depending on what happens with that canary, I'll add more in that industry or shy away from it. Okay. So um, you know I, it's really hard to call when when these moves are over for some of these stocks, on uh, some of these industries in general. Uh, so I can remember like. A few months ago in in blockchain innovators, I was looking at uh, uh, Danios Corporation yeah. and it had had a nice run and then it was just kind of going sideways for a while. And I was like, you know, I got to cut my exposure to shipping uh, and I almost blew out all of them. But instead, I left on uh, Danios and I cut out. Um, I forget what the other chipper was. And, and this was this was sort of right about as as the stock was down in in the uh, high 60s and then all of a sudden it hits its 200 day and within a month and a half we're up over 100. Wow. And this is a stock that was trading at, you know, five bucks in August of 2020. So the, you just never know how far it's going to go. But what what influences that stock's price? Well, it's going to be earnings, right? So yeah. if the earnings picture is there, to support that move in the stock, then what are we arguing about, right? It, it's right. it's not about 
necessarily, oh, the stock's price is at a five-year high. Well, are earnings at a five-year high? Is earnings growth at a five-year high? Is that still there to help support this? Um, so that's definitely something I look at before I throw it in the portfolio. Uh, but like I said, I'll, I'll try a couple within the same industry. And, you know, sometimes only one of them has a really good report and moves up, you know, when you would think, well, why wouldn't AutoNation be in here too? Why wouldn't, um, you know, I just add every dealer? Because <clears throat> you just never know, even within that industry, which one of those is, is going to be the one that, that maybe was undervalued relative to the industry, or for whatever reason, investors just think has more to grow. Maybe, you know, they're, in this case, they're in a good um, geographic location. That, that the other ones may be already saturated and they've got some growth markets. I mean, there's so much that goes goes into it. And it's and I'm not afraid to admit that there it's impossible for me to comprehend all of these variables. There's just too many of them. So what we try to do, you know, by by leaning on the Zach's rank, we're already admitting, hey, we don't know everything. Okay. But there's these guys on Wall Street that it's their full-time job to know everything about these stocks. Yeah. So if they're coming out here and they're increasing their earnings estimates on it, they must know something that we don't. So, you know, after it goes into our giant Zach's database and they aggregate all the data and they give us our Zach's ranks, just the power of that Zach's rank instills a ton of confidence in the picks that I have in this portfolio because someone has already done all of that homework. Right. So, um, but the other interesting part is one little caveat. I, I like specifically with Surprise Trader. I like to throw in a Zach's rank number three hold ahead of earnings every once in a while. That has like a really good positive earnings ESP, because what that tells me is there's at least one or two. You know, there are some analysts out there on Wall Street that think that stock should be a lot better than it is. And if they're heading into the report, ahead of the report, being very bullish on it, and the rest of the market hasn't really caught on, then if that stock has a decent surprise and some good guidance, it can really move a lot. So those are sort of the higher risk. Kind of, well, they're, uh, honestly, they're not even that high risk of a play. I, I think they're even a lower risk play because the expectations are so low across Wall Street. So it's not necessarily negative expectation, but they're not looking for anything spectacular. And then if that stock can deliver something spectacular, then all of a sudden you got a big mover on your hands. Right. So I, I, I like to lean on the experts on Wall Street for what they're already looking at and what they're seeing. And then just based on their activity, um, then I, I'll make some of my investment choices. Okay. Do you ever look at what the short position is on a stock? No. No. Okay. So that does not play. What about recent IPOs? I realize the, you know, the Zach surprise trader probably doesn't trade in those because they don't have earnings surprise track records and all that. But some people, you know, do like the IPOs. And um, I know a lot of people like to trade, you know, even that very first public report, but that seems a little risky there, but do you have any advice for anybody who wants to to trade in that? Yeah, so um, you know, if 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 you you want to mess with some new IPO, um, if you're gonna go long, make sure it's something that you 
understand um, and that you do see sort of the long-term trajectory of it. I would also compare it to where it is relative to the IPO price because I feel like there's two distinct IPOs on the market nowadays. You have the the ones that um, maybe not everybody believes in. Right. And then you have the ones that private equity is cashing out on. Right, right. And it's pretty obvious when you see it, you know, when when a, when when a stock makes its high on the IPO date, Coinbase, yeah. um, <laughs> that, you know, those are insiders are trying to cash in and take advantage of things and get out, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and, in you know, there's, there's a ton of them out there like that. So, so I would see on that first, you know, that first report, where is the stock relative to, you know, it's, it's IPO. The other thing is when you're a newly public company, the, the board is, is there, or the, uh, rather the, you know, the CFO, um, is trying to manage the expectation of analysts on wall street and they may or may not have had any experience in doing that. So, the whether or not it's going to beat or not is a total coin flip because yeah. you have no idea how good they are at managing expectations. I mean, there's some companies you go out there and you look and you're like, wow, they're definitely going to beat because they do such a great job with managing the expectations of analysts and, and keeping it lower. And they're constantly, you know, under promising and over delivering. And those are really the best stocks on earth to have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, okay. That's yeah. There's just so much unknown with the recent IPOs that are out there. Total. That, uh, but you can, you know, you can really cash in on things like that too. Anytime there's uncertainty and there's risk, there's there should be opportunity. And if you if you as an investor and as a trader believe that that opportunity outweighs the risk, then you go for it. Okay. What about Chinese stocks? Yeah. Advice for those. I mean. You know, so, a lot of people like to trade those and especially like, you know, the big ones, Alibaba, Tencent, some of those. Yeah, I, you know, I think um, those have become these sort of crisis stocks. Uh, we were just talking about this. Uh, I was talking about this yesterday with somebody who's looking at a, uh, a Russian bank. Okay. And he wants to buy this Russian bank stock uh, because it's down. It was down like 75% um, on consecutive dates. Wow. Um, so it's really been cut down. Uh, I don't know if banks are really where you want to go, but I mean, we were talking about Yandex sort of the day after the invasion and going, well, is their underlying business gone? You know what I mean? What, it's still going to be there, right? When this is all done. Yeah. So um, I, I would throw that into the, into the crisis stocks. And, you know, the crisis with China was, well, we were worried, are they going to delist these? And um, well, even further, I mean, China was just going out after their own you know, remember um, there was one that used to be in a home run. It was uh, Tal T A L was the ticker. Oh yes. Um, they're basically like an online uh, educator. Educator, yeah. Yeah, and that's a stock that was ninety dollars uh, a year ago. It is at two dollars and ninety cents because essentially the Chinese government just came out and was like, "Yeah, you can't do this anymore." Right. Right. They so destroyed the business. Yeah. So that's kind of a risk that you have um, when you're trading communist stocks. Is that you can just come out and decide, you know what, we don't like this business anymore, not gonna happen, right? Yeah. So, um, but when you see these things that are just completely destroyed because of a crisis, because of an event, um, what you have to ask yourself is, okay, well, 
is is what is the impact to the actual underlying business? Yeah. And if I mean, obviously, they're all going to have impacts. But if, if you think that the impact is just so so much less than what the market believes, well, then that's where you can make some money, right? Because they've beat it up to zero and you think that the stock is actually going to be worth something. And that's when you kind of hold your nose, you buy it and you, and you put it in some IRA that you forgot you even had somewhere. And uh, in the hopes that, you know, five years later, all of a sudden you're rich. Yeah, I see. I haven't been following the Yandex story, but I see that Uber is selling its portion of the joint venture on the ride, the rideshare app. They're, yeah. getting, they're getting out of there and the shares are still halted can't trade them right now. And then a couple of others are asking Lithuania has asked Google and Apple to remove the app off of their um, stores. So so yeah, it's going to be a lot of outside issues than just like the earnings report <laughs> on any of these. Yeah, there's a lot more unknowns out there that yeah. you have to worry about. But yeah. um, I, I, those are the types of things I like when people think like that, though, right? Yeah, I, I love it that we're going, OK, well, where's the real value that we can get into on a company, on a stock that, um, you know, maybe it's not going to be the end of the world and I can actually buy some. Right. A lot of people made those calculations in the, you know, when the coronavirus hit a lot of different companies that plunged down that, you know, some people thought it was going to be the end of the world, but then it wasn't. I, I mean, look, I, I remember being behind the desk for the actual end of the world in March of 2009. And some of the phone calls that I fielded and the people that I talked to and the discussions that we had, and it was just, it was insane. I'm talking Ford at a buck. Yeah, yeah. Citibank at two bucks. Right. Um, it was just these these stocks where you're just like, guys, this is not there's no way that the world is actually ending here. So just buy this, you know, <laughs> just but, yes, you no, but so, many of the banks did not survive. You were wiped out. Yeah, you weren't wiped out. On, you weren't wiped out on uh, on on Ford. I mean, when the government came out and said they're bailing out Ford, you know, what were you worried about? Right. Yeah. Um, didn't they go BK though? I thought they did at some point. But either way, but yes, there were a lot of deals in 2009 as well because everybody did think, you know, that the end was there. (laughs) Especially um, anything financial, but just just about anything was was a deal for sure. Um, Okay, so it it seems like there's a lot of. Uh, things that are fraught with danger out there with trading the earnings reports, but there are places you can go to look to try to give you that edge. And you laid out some of them, and it seems like you know a lot of the data is important. Very you know, the analyst yeah. estimates on earnings, the earnings history, the earnings ESP that you talked about that gives you know the likelihood of a beat. That's just all just data. Yeah, and it's all all available on Zax.com. So um, you can you can see 
you know, the, the earnings history, what's been happening. I mean, there's so much. My favorite chart on earth is that price consensus and EPS surprise chart. Because yeah, all in one, you can see the history of the earnings beats. You yeah. can see where the expectations started at the beginning of the quarter and, and how they evolved over time. And my favorite sort of stocks are the ones that, you know, from the bottom left to the top right, not only does the stock price tick up that way, but the earnings continue to tick up that way. Those are going to be some of your best long-term stocks on earth. Yeah, yeah, agreed. That's a real powerful visual in that chart of what's happening. Okay, so we covered a lot today, and I'm going to uh, recap a lot of the tickers we talked about because there were a lot. So there was Trex, ticker T-R-E-X. Zoom video is Z-M for that ticker, Z-M. Uh, Boise Cascade, BCC. Micron, MU, um, Asbury, they're the auto retailer, ABG. You briefly mentioned Coinbase, COIN, um, Home Depot, HD, and Yandex, YNDX, which is halted as of uh, March 1st, 2022, when we are recording this podcast. Uh, be sure to subscribe so you get all of the Zach's Market Edge. You can find us anywhere that podcasts are available these days. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Amazon Music, Spotify, anywhere else. But be sure to get us somewhere. And I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only. And nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.